Welcome to the podcast of tomorrow. I am Lindsay Wilson, here to talk to you today about season one, episode eight of Futurama, a big piece of garbage. But before all that, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Alex Koontz. Alex, how the hell are you? Hello, Lindsay. I was so close with my prediction for what this episode was about, being old New York. But what it really was about was the exact plot of Don't Look Up, which should have been retitled A Big Piece of Garbage. (laughs) Well said. Oh, my God. So true. Futurama did it first. I actually didn't hate that movie as much as other people, but it was just such an easy dunk to say. It should have been retitled A Big Piece of Garbage. Put it on our Futurama predicted it feed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Truly incredible. Yeah, I didn't bother to see that movie, but now that you're saying that, I feel like that's absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, totally the exact same thing. Big, big meteor hitting Earth. It being like an allegory for global warming and and all of that. I mean, even more so in the Futurama, or mm-hmm. I guess probably to to an equal degree in the Futurama and Don't Look Up. But yeah, just totally the exact same thing. Yes, exactly. Where it's just our crappy habits of the 20th and in our case, 21st century. We yes. are just destroying everything and we don't care because it's someone else's problem. And that sounds exactly correct. Yeah, just kick it to 300 years down the road. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. Someone else's problem. I honestly am increasingly becoming one of these people that is like, are we even going to make it like 50 more years? Who knows? Who can it's, say? Did you watch Inside of, uh, of Seven course. More to Go? Yeah. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's right. What is it like 20,000 years of this seven more to go? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm fully there. Yeah, no, me too. Very much so. I'm like, con- I feel like everyone else is like, Oh, yeah, like, it's gonna get hot. And I'm like, it's gonna be fully Mad Max in like 10 years. <laughs> right. Well, and see, that's very concerning for me, because like, my backup plan is like, oh, I should like actually just go to Canada to escape all mm. of the like craziness down here. And so maybe your maybe your concerns are much more existential and environmental <laughs> related. But it's very concerning to hear the Canadian be like, no, yeah, it's all it's 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 bad. It's all over. <laughs> it's all over. And honestly, I feel like all the bullshit going on down there that you're referring to that's stressing me out too. You guys are awfully close, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that's true. There's some very well known Canadian phrase that is something to the effect of, "We are." next to a sleeping elephant or something like that and sure. it's like we're a mouse sleeping or <laughs> next to a sleeping elephant something like that where you're just gonna roll over and kill us <laughs> no but we're gonna like stab ourselves right it's like we're gonna just be <laughs> just be thrashing around and you guys will be fine i'm gonna look it up sleeping elephant canada canada sleeping with an elephant i don't know this is <laughs> we're sleeping with a very cranky elephant <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> yep so Yes, it was Pierre Trudeau, the father of our current prime minister, who said, living next to you is in some ways like sleeping with an elephant. No matter how friendly and even-tempered is the beast, if I can call it that, one is affected by every twitch and grunt. Was Pierre a former prime minister? Yes, indeed. Oh, wow. So so we got the like HW of like, prime ministers right now. Just the W, yes. He is the W to your HW. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So... Anyway, so that's an environment corner. We're very concerned. <laughs> yeah, very concerned. It's worse than boob corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it really stresses me out. I try not to think about it too much. So <laughs> to, to be fair, boob corner is mostly focused around the 19, like 1937, which was also a concerning time. <laughs> True. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, everything is bad all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lindsay. How were your previous five minutes? Any new anecdotes or anything between these recording sessions? Oh, man. Let's think about what I will have done in the week oh, since yes, these always. emerged. 
Okay, so I will tell you that <laughs> in the week in between, or not even, this coming weekend, I will be going to a live viewing of... Speak- we, last time we talked about live podcasts. This weekend, I'm going to a live podcast, except this time it is for My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is oh, among my favorite yes. podcasts in recorded history. And it was canceled two years ago and then canceled again, and we're finally going. <laughs> wow. Are they Toronto-based or are they, uh, are they coming They're the UK-based. Wow. Damn. Yes. Yes. That, that's very exciting. The premise of the episode they were going to do is that it is the main character's 30th birthday party. And I was like, oh, my God, it's my 30th birthday, too. So anyway, <laughs> now I'm 32 and nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. You also, not to dox you, but you also don't live in Toronto. Sorry for that, uh, that mistake. <laughs> true yeah, yeah. <laughs> i used to live in toronto yes it's funny i didn't even clock it i was just like well i was in toronto the first time i had tickets <laughs> yeah <laughs> right that's super excited i listened to the first couple episodes because i had a friend that was that was very very into it but never never made it past the first couple uh, i feel like lots of people have said that because they get very uncomfortable hearing these people talk very explicitly about sex i yeah. find it so funny especially <laughs> the further it gets the wackier it becomes it fully becomes just a series of spy novels eventually and nice. they are very very funny the three of them hosting it not to promote a much more popular podcast on our podcast but it's just wonderful i have listened to all six seasons multiple times yeah. <laughs> we gotta whenever we eventually meet we gotta find some either some sort of binge mode either though even though it, mm. even though it is gone or you know if if we can somehow track down jason or mal the binge mode is the the podcast that Lindsay and i both truly love and that'd be mm-hmm. fun to find something to do with them at some point Yes. Oh, it's so incredible, honestly. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, this podcast. Actually, what will you have done in the week? I'm flying to Minnesota on Saturday. So Minnesota. Yeah. Visiting friends there. I think there's a barbecue planned. There is a one of my friends is pregnant, which is really kind of like the first of my college age friends that Mm. is that is pregnant and having a baby. So that's that's new stuff. Um, I feel like Minnesota is the place where, you know, the Canadian accent that Americans make up on TV whenever they're trying to parody Canada. Minnesota is what we give that accent to. I mean, I think it's probably the closest just because there are there are like no other strong accents along the northern part of the United States. Or like, I don't know if Montana has an accent, but it's like not as distinct as Minnesota. So I, I definitely agree with that. Like Fargo, uh, all that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, right. Yes. We already talked about how Fargo, I heard it once described as the only show on television where there is a woman who has a powerful job and they never show her husband being resentful about it. <laughs> no. Wow. I would have to think about that. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> is the husband? I actually haven't seen Fargo. I know everyone was obsessed with it back in the day. I haven't seen it either. I just heard the okay. description. <laughs> okay, then you can't answer this this question of whether the husband is a prominent character or not. He's apparently just very supportive of her like sheriff career or whatever. That's great. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah of, of this cop. No, yeah, normally it's like you're in a professional job and you simply don't pay me enough attention. Right. So I had to cook my own dinner. <laughs> yeah. Gasp. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So speaking of cooking my own dinner, the crew is going to Ebola 9. (laughs) (laughs) That that would have been far more fitting for the last one where Bender is like constantly cooking. Exactly. They're going to a fancy dinner tonight, in fact. So that's something. But yes, yes, tonight is the inventor symposium. So the crew can't go to Ebola 9 until tomorrow because the professor wants them all to be alive. Yes. Notably a cold open that 
I didn't know at first whether or not that cold open was going to be relevant for the the plot or not. It felt a little like before the the rest of the episode got started, it felt a little bit like, oh, that was just a joke about the death clock and how mm-hmm. interesting of an invention that might be. But no, then it ends up being being relevant. So yeah, like you were saying last episode, kind of moving away from the totally irrelevant kind of terrible cold opens. Yes, exactly. And this was another one that I had the clip of on my computer where it was like, sounds boring. Oh my, yes. So the (laughs) Inventor Symposium is going to be pretty good. Farnsworth is going to present his death clock and Fry tries it out and they're like, oh God. And Fender's like, dibs on a CD player. And that's the whole cold open. This was a, again, back in college, crazy college story of uh, Mm -hmm. the wild times we had in college. We had on the internet, or somehow the internet was obsessed with this concept of the machine of death that would tell you exactly how you're going to die. Oh my god. Do you, what is your context for this? Because I don't, I don't really know how it exists, but we got wrapped up into this in in some I'm extremely familiar with Machine of Death and have not thought about it in a number of years. So my, my knowledge of Machine of Death is that it is by Ryan North, which is the he's the same guy who created dinosaur comics and that's how Mm -hmm. i first got into it is that i read dinosaur comics and then he put out a book called to be or not to be it was which was a choose your own adventure version of hamlet and then (laughs) he had a kickstarter about that and then was like oh yeah if you like do the kickstarter i'll also do like a choose your own adventure of romeo and juliet and that also happened i also have that book anyway (laughs) all this to say he then did a kickstarter about machine of death which i think was a game and also a book which one came okay I so I don't know. All I know is that it somehow turned into this like public short story writing contest. Or yeah. so we ended up doing a making a short film using a machine of death concept. Yeah, it would tell you how you were gonna die, but it could be like some bizarre version of it because it would only give you like one word of like. You're yes, gonna it, die could ir- it could be ironic. It could be ironic of yes. like the. I remember my friend that was super into it always gave the example of like if it says like old age then that might mean like you know somebody in their 90s comes and like shoots you Um, yes exactly the thing i this is off the top of my head but it would be like banana and then you just avoid eating bananas because you assume you're allergic to them but then in fact you're playing mario kart and you slip on a banana and have a heart attack because you're so bad (laughs) (laughs) so we did so the the way this connects to futurama is very tenuous No, I'm so happy we came back to this. The book was amazing. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, so the death clock reminded me of Machine of Death. In college, we did we made a short film using the premise of Machine of Death. It was a film noir. It was like it opened with like the woman coming to the detective and showing showing her her death slip and saying, she says, oh, I'm going to be killed by the strangler. I want you to find him after he does it. Like I want my last act to be for you to be catching this guy. And so it's a film noir about catching the strangler and whatever it was fine we filmed it it was it was fun to film we put it up on youtube we put it up on youtube with the title strangled and it got completely overrun by strangle fetish people ah. and it was very uncomfy it got like <laughs> like twenty thousand views or something we had to like unlist it and oh, like make God. it private and all of this stuff because the strangulation community found it and wow. uh, that was not the intended purpose <laughs> like put a disclaimer up top like this is not about autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> right <laughs> oh so my god my incredible story. my machine of death story apart from the very long and belabored one i just gave you it was that i also then bought the game for my brother for christmas and then yeah. it had to ship from america and i remember my brother being like how did you get this through customs where it just says like machine of death <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
That's funny. <laughs> was the was the game any good? No, the game is trash. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine for people who are good at these social improv-y games, but I think sure. a lot of it was like try to come up with a story. It, yeah, it yeah. I feel like it's a worse version of Apple's Apples or Cards Against Humanity or something where you have to kind of vote on the best one. And it's like, right. come up with an elaborate story based on these two cards that you've gotten or something like that. And I felt like it's not particularly friendly to play where you're like, okay, what about this like scenario? And you're like, okay. Like, sure. Yeah, I feel like I've yeah. seen versions of that game where it's like, yeah. who would win a, in a fight? Like, you know, X person with Y attribute or whatever. And it's mm -hmm. like, you have to craft a narrative around these cards. And yeah. yeah, I've never gotten that into those. Me either. Yeah, they're not so much for me. So we didn't really love the game, but I very much enjoyed the book. The books were, I think there were two of them. The books were very fun. It was fun to see the kind of twists and turns. It, I think it probably loses a little bit of steam as right you after the start fifth realizing. One that you've read or whatever. Exactly. But yeah. I remember thinking some of them were really lovely. So yeah. would you use the death clock? You had this presented to you. Would you stick your finger in there? Uh, so death clock or machine of death? Either one. Death clock just giving you the time of death. Did you ever see Scrubs? Were you a Scrubs fan? I was not. The finale of Scrubs ends with an episode that's like... Spoiler for Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the medical situation in the Scrubs finale is like, does this patient want to know whether or not he has, you know, some deadly gene that will emerge, you know, at some point in his life? Or does he want to live his life without knowing about that? And that's a little bit of the like same kind of conundrum with Death Clock of like, do, you, do I want to be consumed by knowing this is coming or do I... So the downsides to knowing is that now I'm like, now I know and I'm thinking about it all the time. But the upsides mm -hmm. is that I can like make the most of my life and like, oh, I can like quit my job when I have enough right. money to quit my job. I don't know. I feel like the very pithy thing that always comes out of these is like, you can never know. And so we must simply live each day as if it is our right. last. Right. All right so <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I would go yes, because I think that the upsides are better than the downsides. Mm -hmm. I think what, what Death you? Clock. I think Death Clock certainly more appealing than Machine yeah. of Death, where I think Machine of Death just fucks with you too much once you know. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you paranoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but Death Clock maybe. I think they're. I, I think I would have a hard time resisting the temptation. Yeah, I'll ask my friend whose YouTube account had Strangled on it, and I'll ask him to reopen it up. And if we get five comments on Strangled that are not <laughs> not of sexual nature, then we'll get a cameo from the director of Strangled, my friend. Not Sam of Donald. sexual nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, we have now uh, talked for quite some time. Same stipulation on reviews for our podcast, by the way. <laughs> yes, preferably not of a sexual nature, unless yeah. it is about only facts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So the intro text on this episode, we have not even touched on after 16 minutes. <laughs> Mr. Bendro's Wardrobe by Robotony 500. Fine. I didn't really, I didn't really get it. No, me either. What did you guess for the cartoon on this one? Some pig. Okay. So I wrote some sort of Elmer Fudd and nice. it is a corny concerto featuring Elmer Fudd. Okay. So, so we're out of the boop universe. That's right. Stars Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, and Daffy Duck. They perform a parody of Walt Disney's Silly Symphony cartoon and specifically his feature film, Fantasia. Okay, so it's the Looney Tunes parodying Fantasia. Fantasia. Yep. Sounds good. And yep, and this is a surprisingly long plot synopsis that I will not bother reading. But yeah, I don't know. they're doing a musical. Fantasia okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It says Fantasia was marketed to highbrow music fans. The Looney Tunes staff responded by violating the ivory tower of classical music and concert hall culture. So I think we Are you a Fantasia that. fan? 
It's fine. I think I probably yeah. prefer the responding by violating the ivory tower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I don't smoke weed anymore, and I never smoked <laughs> that much weed. But really, like the only time I smoked even somewhat regularly was when I was living with a couple of friends in Chicago and we did like the typical stoner thing of watching Fantasia while high. And it was mm-hmm. incredible. It was like, sure, yeah, <laughs> it was sure, great. It was, great. <laughs> it was the our planet of our, of its time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, all right. So back in the show, they go off to this symposium and this is where we get introduced to Ogden Wernstrom and I will always love how Professor Farnsworth is always like Wernstrom (laughs) (laughs) yeah I felt like the dynamic here at the very start and I don't think this really holds up as we get to know Wernstrom but I felt like this was like Willy Wonka and Slugworth energy (laughs) (laughs) that's fair (laughs) just like two insane old men yeah very fair Yeah, yeah and it turns out that the reason for their gripe is that the professor gave Wernstrom an A minus on a pop quiz because penmanship counts, which totally absurd to think that anyone is writing anything and whatever hey, that's it was, true. 2,900. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they make us take handwritten computer science tests still. Like, I don't know. Wow. Uh, true. I still had to do a handwritten stats exam. So yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Who knows? So yeah, anyway, he vowed he would get revenge, even if it took him 100 years and it's slightly over 99 years later. <laughs> so he's, he's like in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. And good stuff here where we get just exactly how old these people are. Where he's like, time to leave science with 120-year-olds. <laughs> Very similar to the gala from last episode. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> where, I, I don't know, I, I like these scenes where it's just like very fancy, very like pretentious group yes. of, of people. I, I think these are funny. Yeah, so I love Bender in his top hat where he's like ordering all <laughs> these wines and just wants them mixed together in a big jug. Yeah, a big jug. Yeah. My, one of my favorite moments from the last season of Parks and Rec not really a spoiler for Prex and Rec, is when, uh, what's his name? Craig is being the sommelier for Tom's Bistro, and they're trying to teach him how not to freak out. It's Billy Eckert. Yeah. He's teaching him how not to freak out at people who have bad wine orders. And Tom <laughs> goes, I want your most, exp- I want a rosé made of your most expensive red wine and your cheapest white wine. <laughs> <laughs> that show's so good. We should do that so next. Oh, truly incredible. I would love to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, probably a bigger audience. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Wernstrom presents his thing and it's this reverse scuba suit where his goldfish cinnamon <laughs> can go and fetch a stick. <laughs> yes. Very cute. I, I kind of like this invention, honestly. It is cute. Really cute. I feel like we get a lot of personality into the fish and yeah. it's very sad that he gets hit with a newspaper. Yes, I'll say uh, good. What's the what's the profession in film where you're doing the sound effects? Is that a... Uh, uh, uh fully fully i was gonna say dolly yeah good fully on the on the fish walking around they make it sound very cute with just his like little pitter patters yeah it's very cute oh man we're, i don't know where i pulled that out from i think yeah that was good from the last season of the amazing race <laughs> <laughs> oh god did they make him fully that's a nightmare did. yeah it was yeah. stupid uh, <laughs> yes so they have a moment where Farnsworth is basically told like you presented this death clock last year and he has to frantically scramble to come up with a new idea <laughs> Like that he says, hmm, perhaps a death clock of some sort. <laughs> yeah, perhaps some sort of death <laughs> clock, yeah. He also says, like, oh, I came up with something that'll put you young whippersnappers in your place. And then, what's the name? Wernstrom is like, I hope it's not as stupid as that death clock from last year. He's like, last year, you say? Like, did it put you young whippersnappers <laughs> in your place? Yeah. Probably Farnsworth's best episode so far, or at least most focal on Farnsworth. 
That's true. He definitely has the largest role that he has had to date. I really like kind of the rando that's presenting as as all this is happening, who just has like a helicopter hat and he hovers away with his, <laughs> his helicopter hat. Yes, that's very good. I like that too. And Farnsworth goes up with just a napkin where he has scribbled a drawing of a smelloscope and himself as a cowboy, which is very cute. <laughs> I was very excited to see the smelloscope because mm. one of the one of my persisting memories from Futurama of something that actually happens in an upcoming episode is that I know that the smelloscope comes back in like one of the first episodes of like the first time they rebooted it, there's like a Farnsworth smelloscope thing is happening. And I remember there's some joke in that episode that, that I absolutely love. I remember like rewinding it on my TiVo that we just got and watching that. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny, films. Alex. You keep mentioning these very dated things. And then I remember that we're <laughs> nearly the exact same age. And that's why everything is so relatable. Like when you're talking about machine of death when you're in university. And I'm like, yes, I too was in university. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, that's why. Because we're like the same age. I have yeah. in my head that you're younger than me. And then I'm like, he's going to say something about university. And it's going to make me feel very old. And it's like, no, yeah, this guy was TikToking in university. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. I give off such, such youthful energy, I guess. That's right. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he talks about the astro- astronomical odors you'll be able to smell thanks to him. Everyone laughs. And then he gets an A minus minus from Wernstrom and yes. a good line from the MC guy who's like, I'm practically giving this away to Dr. Wernstrom for his fish <laughs> thingy. And he wins a prize. <laughs> yeah. I love Farnsworth's little drawing you mentioned earlier, but on the cocktail mm-hmm. napkin uh, where he's drawn the smelloscope and then he's standing in the corner wearing a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. so cute <laughs> and i think this must be a doodle of myself as a cowboy yeah yes. and so then we go back to the planet express office place and farnsworth is very sad says maybe 149 is too old to be a scientist but then he realizes that he actually built the smelloscope last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah very forgetful so Fry's just smelling a bunch of stuff. Jupiter smells like strawberries. Another one of these lines that I had on my computer <laughs> was Uranus was renamed in 2620 and is now named Eurectum. Eurectum. Wow. So uh, explain again the, the computer situation. You had some of these lines download yes. like just as like sound clips. Exactly. Yeah. So instead of being able to watch these videos, I was able to just listen to funny lines from the show. Honestly, it would be useful for the podcast if that technology (laughs) still existed. I'm sure it does. I'm sure you can still download these things and play that. But fair use or something, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Fry finds something that smells really horrible. It is off the funkometer and Bender's like, "Ooh, name it after me. (laughs) <laughs> based on its trajectory whatever this thing is is going to reduce new new york to a stinky crater and it turns out it is a big ball of garbage yes i like that bender immediately starts looting as soon as he realizes that it's time to panic yes i was glad that we had already discussed whether or not you would live in new jersey because the <laughs> documentary film that they find about this ball of garbage is like it was the year 2000 new york city was incredibly wasteful and the landfills were full new jersey was full yeah <laughs> they just cut to a picture of new jersey just being a steaming pile of trash yeah exactly and so they put all the garbage on a barge and it circled around for 50 years this very accurate <laughs> i mean new york city is really gross with garbage mm-hmm. it's really bad and it just smells it just smells terrible <laughs> uh, so I, w- I guess i will say accurate i feel like i don't produce that much garbage like i'm one of these like sad you know men in their late 20s early 30s who are like you know not consuming anything <laughs> pocket mulch <laughs> yeah exactly so i feel like i'm not contributing that much to the the garbage mm-hmm. epidemic but yeah you'll just like walk walk past these restaurants with giant piles of garbage outside oh yeah stuff. it's so bad i have made an effort to reduce my 
output, but it's definitely a problem. And Canada actually was a problem in terms of having its own garbage barge that we sent <laughs> off to like the Philippines or something. And the Philippines yeah. were like, what? You can't send this here and send it back. <laughs> no, no. It's coming yeah, back. Send it back. Yeah. Let's see. Canada garbage barge. Yes. Trash barge from Philippines to arrive in Vancouver on Saturday. This was as of June 2019. Okay. So. Oh, so gross. Containers of Canadian trash that have festered in the Philippines for years are set to be returned to Canada by ship on the long weekend the country marks its 152nd birthday. Oh, my God. Incidentally, this is a mere, mere five days away from the two-year, three-year anniversary of this article. So. <laughs> Welcome back, Garbage Barge. Whenever we do any of these sort of Wikipedia asides, one of my favorite parts about Wikipedia is looking at the talk page, which you can mm. tap to at the very top, which is always the editors of Wikipedia having like these petty arguments about the Wikipedia yes. page itself. So we'll make a note of trying to shed light on any good Wikipedia talk page uh, disagreements. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so after they've watched this thing, they discover that once the barge came back around, they decided to send the garbage into space. And that is probably what we are dealing with now. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down a line of their concerns were dismissed as upsetting, which yes. <laughs> feels <laughs> very apt. Yes, and very don't look up, as you said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so the other line that I still reference to this day, I know we've highlighted lots of things that I still use in my regular vernacular, but this one is from when they discovered that this film is in fact just pornography. He's like, <laughs> he's like maybe you can attend to my sexual inhibitions or whatever. And the doctor goes, with gusto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very like professionally or like yeah, stoic. Matter of factually. Well, yes, with gusto. I, I also wrote yes. that down. I really like that. Yeah, with gusto. Yeah, incredible. So it's revealed that everything gets recycled now, and Fry thinks this is gross, but in fact, this is good. No garbage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, New York is doing great. So now they go to warn the mayor, and I have to say, the, I guess, most base parts of me find the fact that his name is Mayor Poopenmeyer to be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> is that a... Why? What, why is that? Is that a pun on, <laughs> I don't know. on some New York mayor that I don't know? I, I don't know. They're just like, it's very serious, Mayor Poopenmeyer. <laughs> Mayor Poopenmeyer. Yeah, he's got a Wikipedia page. Yeah. See Randall Poopenmeyer. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. I think it's just, yeah, you're the joke that, that you said of, like, it's very serious, Mr. Poopenmeyer. It's uh, yeah. named just for that joke, and it just stuck from then on. Yeah, good. So yeah, so they decide to send some people up there to deal with it. And they're like, oh, a missile would go through it. And there's all kinds of things that are wrong with this idea. So we're gonna have to send up a crew. But like, who would be so stupid as to take on a suicidal mission like this? Yes. Um, we are, of course, our crew of friends. I like that Neptune gives a warning. And it's like this big prolonged suffocation from the smell yes. of the comet, presumably, but just goes on and on. Yeah, like, oh, I, I guess it just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they go up there and nice little shout out to the Bart Simpson dolls that are part yes. of the garbage pile. Yes, I really like that. Yes, yeah, like this stuff was garbage even when it was new. <laughs> yeah, they find beanie babies. Were you a beanie baby person? Not really. I had a yeah. couple, but not good ones. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever get into any sort of collectible of, you know, whether it be Pogs, which it was before our time? <laughs> I have lots of older siblings, so there were Pogs mm. around. and <laughs> But I wasn't that, like, obsessive about it. I definitely had some. I had some Pokemon cards. I had some, yeah. very notably, Beavis and Butthead cards. Oh, wow. Yeah. But not a lot. And I feel like my parents didn't have a ton of disposable income to be like, you can buy a shitload of these. It was just like periodically, <laughs> I'd be like, I buy this. And they're like, I guess. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I think I got a lot of these things at flea markets also. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, how, how much older are your siblings than you? They range from four to 11 years older. Okay, so 11 is is enough for them to be interested in Pogs. I was going to say, I like that I also have an older sister, but she's just three years older, but she missed out on Pogs entirely. Well, it was the brother who was four years older than me. He and I did oh, the wow. most Pogging. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and he was way older than me, so he was better with the slammer thing. So he would he took be all like, oh, pogs. we were playing for keeps, and then my parents would have to intervene because I would have no Pogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very upsetting yeah. i was just talking about pogs the other day and i was trying to explain that like weird beaver that was the logo guy for pogs i'm gonna have to look this up pog <laughs> pog beaver logo yes okay type in mascot it's not really a beaver <laughs> pogs his name mascot. is Pogman. oh my god oh okay yeah this guy this this guy's gritty energy yes i don't know what that is you don't know gritty you know gritty 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 is the the philadelphia oh. Yes, Philadelphia Flyer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, a little bit. Yeah, big gritty energy, honestly. <laughs> BGE. Yeah, a lot of BGE. I've never seen this Pog mascot in my life. Yeah, well, he was on all this, a lot of the Slammers. Yeah. <laughs> slammers, right. for those who are young, were the metal Pogs that you could use to flip over the discs, and the ones that flipped over were the ones you got to keep. Looking for the talk page for Poglodite, <laughs> which is the name of the of the Pog Beaver, but uh, his name is Poglodite. Yeah, according to non-aliencreatures.fandom.com. Oh my god! Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. So the crew has to put a bomb on the pile of garbage, and they go to do it, and they have twenty five minutes to get away. But then all of a sudden, they have five minutes, or ten minutes, then five minutes, then six H minutes, and that's when they realize that the clock is in upside down very clever i wanted to like go back does does the countdown actually make sense of if it started at 52 seconds and if it was upside down then it would look like what five and then ten ten and then five right yeah yeah yeah. um wait 15 no 15 no 15 then five then five 15 and then five yes (laughs) yes yes, yes. and then six age minutes (laughs) yes very clever yes very good we got past us (laughs) So yes, and then they have to come back in disgrace. And I do love that we get introduced to Morbo here. It's Morbo is the big green alien newscaster who's always yes. with that like pleasant woman. <laughs> yes. Why doesn't Joey, the largest of the friends, just eat the others? Is his is the the no, line that I know from him. No, that's the that's Lur from Planet oh, Omicron yeah. first again. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy is the one who's always like foolish humans, and then he's like, in this case, they're talking about kittens, and he's like, kittens give Morbo gas, and then he always has a good laugh, and he's like, in lighter news, the city of New New York is doomed. Yeah, I really loved the hot potato that they play with the bomb of like passing it back mm-hmm. and forth, and then Bender just like chucks it into the air, and it bounces off something and, and comes back. But I, I love that the, the solution is like literally just throw it away. Yes, exactly. Yeah, just like they are about to do. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they are trying to figure out how they can get rid of this garbage ball. And Wernstrom shows up and he's like, well, first of all, I'm going to need tenure and a big research <laughs> grant and five graduate students. And he gets them and then is like, okay, see ya. Now I'm set for life. Yeah. And they say, can't you do anything? Sorry, he's tenured. Yeah, exactly. I, I do have, just to ruin it for people, I, I want to say the mayor can't grant tenure, but <laughs> who can <laughs> who say? Who grants tenure? Is it, a, is it a provo of some sort? Is it a... Probably. Yeah. Yeah, the, the dean. Some <laughs> yeah. crusty old dean. <laughs> some crusty old dean, yeah. 
Yeah. So they decide that the best option is to create a second garbage ball and bounce them off each other. But no one remembers how to create garbage anymore. So Fry has to use his 20th century garbage making skills to <laughs> teach them how. Just dropping pencils on the ground, dropping papers yes. on the ground. Yeah. I love the mayor's look of just total confusion when he's like, should I do this? <laughs> yeah. I, I also love, come on, everyone, the fate of the city is at stake. And then he calmly tips his chair over. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, that's right. <laughs> and so they're encouraging everyone to just get rid of all their stuff. There's a great reaction shot, I think, when Fry is like, one month my toilet broke and I just went straight in the garbage can. And the mayor yeah. just goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes, and I also like that the mayor's solution is he's like, oh, God, we have to do something. And he's like, Stephanie, cancel the maid. Tell her to come tomorrow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep. And so they create a whole bunch of garbage, and then they bash the new garbage ball into the other one. The first one goes off into the sun, and they won't have to deal with the new one until hundreds of years from now. I wrote down that the animation was good here of the of the garbage ball launching you know launching off the rocket i don't even like mm -hmm. know how to describe when it looks this way but there's like the spaceship flying like the rocket launching like all of it looks differently animated than mm -hmm. the rest of the characters just like standing around and i thought it looked looked good yeah very pretty so yeah and so they take away Wernstrom's award give it to farnsworth and he is redeemed it's like after it became apparent that he was a jackass <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's the episode what did you think yeah i thought it was pretty good i think i liked the last week's episode more than this one just because of like planet of the week like weird aliens something those are landing for me more than this one but yeah overall i think i think if i'm gonna like be nitpicky about lack of moral or theme or story i think that this one did a better job than the previous week in terms of that of like this clearly has a global warming theme <laughs> but yeah this one clearly has an agenda or a purpose of some sort yeah that's that's nice for it to have yeah i definitely have a fondness for this episode but also for the last one i think if off the top of my head i would have said that this one has more sort of memorable lines and moments in it that i can quote off the top of my head but then i yeah. remembered the grasshopper and the octopus <laughs> story so i don't know so definitely i really like both of these i probably would have had this one slightly ahead but on revisiting them like this i think maybe the the sun one is better so i don't yeah. know both good. yeah it's a, it's a tough i mean honestly for me and maybe it's because i don't have such strong feelings about any of these as opposed to the simpsons mm -hmm. or they're like not iconic to me in the way that the, Sim the simpsons are like all of these are like pretty good they're like all pretty even yeah. for me they're all pretty good like um, yeah i think it's yeah. good honestly that you don't have the same nostalgia so you can look at them a little bit more ob objectively and yeah. i think we are in a good run right here or this is a good stretch of episodes yeah for sure so let's say who our mvp and lvp were for this episode all right you did a great job of this last week where you had very reasonable coherent explanations for your <laughs> mvp lvp i think mvp I mean, the person that saves the day is Fry. He's the only one that knows how to make the garbage. Farnsworth kind of botches it with the bomb, so I don't think it could mm -hmm. be him, even though he has the smelloscope, which alerts everyone to it to begin with. So yeah, I'll go I'll go Fry with just being the person to ultimately save the day. The person who has the skills and the know-how needed to save the day. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a good pick, just to be contrary i think i will go with maybe it's just like the citizens of new new york uh <laughs> i mean it is fair that they they team together to do it i think if, if we were calling it winners and losers maybe i'd say the citizens of new new york are the winners but since it's mvp i think maybe i will 
I'll give it to Farnsworth. I know you didn't want to, but I think I will do it just because I, I love a redemption story. He is redeemed at the end. Hornstrom is a jackass. And also, it turns out he has made some cool inventions. Yeah. I mean, again, without him, nobody would know the thing was coming. So I think that, that is a reasonable MVP. And ultimately, um, he is the one who does the calculations needed to know exactly how to bounce this thing out of there. So That's true, which seems very complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, do you have anyone for LVP off the top of your head? I don't know if I have a good one. LVP, I think probably it's got to be Wernstrom just because he right. sucks. And now it, he finally got revenge after 100 years. And now he has to do it all again. And he is old. <laughs> yeah, right. 100 years of vengeance. And it's he gets it for like three days. And then he, he botches it. So yes. I'll, I'll co-sign that. Yeah, I think that's a good call. So, all right. And now predicting the future. Alex, the next episode, season one, episode nine is called Hell is Other Robots. What do you think this is about? Hell is Other Robots. So so I'll do these like legitimately trying to predict it, not being like, oh, it's like, you know, uh, what kind of like pun can I make with Hell is Other Robots? <laughs> so I know I remember bits and pieces of the devil's hands are idle playthings. I know of the devil robot or the robot devil. So I think that this will obviously be the first introduction of the robot devil. I think I remember like weird... Maybe I'm confusing this with Simpsons episodes of the eat all of the donuts that you want. But I, but I, (laughs) yeah, so that that is definitely the Simpsons. But like, I'm trying to think of whether I'm confusing scenes from that episode, like those scenarios with the robot devil. But I think that there's like scenes that happen in robot hell and, you know, scenes of humorous torture similar to like the infinite donuts from the simpsons so i'll say introduction of robot devil and we'll see some of robot hell yeah i think that is a pretty good pick this says let me see the description provided is bender is condemned to robot hell after he returns to his old vices so that will be our tease for next week and i will see if we can get jeremy on the pod for that one nice oh yes you said very musical which which also starts to ring some bells Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So with that, you can follow us at Pod of Tomorrow and you can send us emails. Pod of Tomorrow gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, as always, give us ratings. Uh, we don't know if we are flush with ratings at this point, if we've hit all 50, but <laughs> last we know we had six. So mm-hmm. let's try to get mm-hmm. it to, to 10 maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And if you are looking to hear more from me, you can find me over on Bojack Horsepod. And we, I think by the time people are listening to this, we are really closing in on the final stretch. So yeah. Very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous that I won't be able to like listen because I know none of the context of Bojack because I'm a, <laughs> a bad friend and haven't listened or watched the show yet. You but, simply but... must watch it. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I got other things going on. Like, I don't know. <laughs> there's other TV to watch. Yeah. I know. I just said today, I was like, there's simply too much media and I'm dying too quickly. <laughs> yeah. This like brings us back to the the adequate amount of water where there, you know, where mm. there's just too much water out there. To water, water so. everywhere and not a drop yeah. to drink. Yes. <laughs> and that was you, I guess, up until during the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So our longest episode ever. I hope people enjoyed it. Join us next week for season one, episode nine. Hell is other robots. Cool. See y'all later.